Hi, I'm Connie Loises. And this is Alex Gove. And this is Strictly VC Download. listeners, it's Friday, December 3rd. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We missed you last week, though on a related programming note, we should mention that while we couldn't record the podcast last week because of family obligations, we are expecting family again later this month for the holidays. So next week will be our last podcast before the new year, but then we'll be back up and running on all cylinders in January. With that, we are jumping into this week's interview with a 22-year-old named Ed Beckel, who's already started three or four companies and sold one in what he describes as a multi-million dollar exit. Beckel attracted our interest not because he's so young, though he's certainly more accomplished than most 22-year-olds, but because of what he's building, which is an app that caters specifically to Christians, inviting them to pay a monthly subscription for offerings within the app like Bible readings, guided meditations, reflections, and prayers, and that very notably just attracted $40 million in Series A funding from a long list of flashy names, including Connie Chan of Andreessen Horowitz, which led the round, former Hollywood agent Mike Kivas, who now runs his own investment firm called K5 Global, and a gaggle of celebrities and influencers, including Michael Buble, Kris Jenner, and singer-songwriter Jason Derulo. As it happens, his app, Glorify, is just the latest religion-based app to receive meaningful funding. Just two weeks ago, Hallow, a Catholic prayer and meditation app, completed a $40 million Series B round led by General Catalyst. And this was just months after the outfit raised $15 million in Series A funding. Listeners of this podcast will also know that Tusk Ventures is currently incubating a religion-based social network, while a birdie tells us that Lightspeed Venture Partners is also incubating an app focused on religion. Why all the interest? Growing distaste for Facebook surely explains part of it, but of course, so does the pandemic, which drove all kinds of religious organizations to close their doors and for their participants to look more actively for community online. Either way, Beckel has a lot more in mind than Glorify's app as it exists today, and we think you'll enjoy learning about what he has up his sleeve. In the meantime, we have one quick breaking news story that we thought might interest you. The New York Times has an interesting story today about a pay dispute between SoftBank and one of the company's chief wheeler dealers, Marcelo Clure, who is the CEO of SoftBank Group. Kluwer and his legal team have reportedly told SoftBank that it should pay Kluwer $2 billion for cleaning up SoftBank's investments in Sprint and WeWork and for future deals which he could strike. SoftBank, however, is countering with an offer in the tens of millions, in part because of a sagging stock price and ornery Japanese investors who dislike large compensation packages. In addition, a new policy change at SoftBank could prevent Kluwer from front-running SoftBank investments with personal investments of his own, which the executive has done repeatedly in the past. Kluwer is supposedly so upset with the protracted negotiations that he is considering leaving SoftBank. This can't be good news for the Japanese conglomerate. Kluwer is SoftBank's Mr. Fix-It. Back in 2014, SoftBank founder Masayoshi's son tapped him to rescue the firm's investment in Sprint, and as CEO, Kluwer stabilized the company and struck an important merger with T-Mobile. SoftBank has already cleared more than $12 billion from the deal. Kluwer was also instrumental in capping the well of cash that SoftBank was investing into WeWork, negotiating directly with WeWork founder Adam Newman to move Newman aside and prepare the company to go public. Given all the crises that seem to pop up on a regular basis in SoftBank's portfolio, witness the ARM NVIDIA merger, which the FTC just nixed, look for SoftBank to up its offer to Kluwer, toot sweet. 
And now our interview with Ed Beckel, the 22-year-old co-founder and co-CEO of Glorify. But first, a word from our sponsor. If you're a VC that's never tried Tegas, you should sign up for a free trial today. Tegas is the only platform in the world that offers instant access to qualitative insights on private companies, from seed stage to pre-IPO. With access to Tegas, you can quickly get up to speed on new companies, source new fast-growing names, and keep an eye on the competitive landscape for your portfolio companies just by logging in. Strictly VC listeners get a free two-week trial. Check it out at www.tegas.co slash strictly vc that's www.tegas.co slash strictly vc and now our interview with ed beckel Edward, thank you so much for joining us today. I was intrigued when I saw that your company had received this sizable round of funding and I looked you up on LinkedIn. Is it true that you're 22? Exactly, I am. <laughs> so you're a 22-year-old who's already sold a well-being platform that you started right out of university. So tell me a little bit more about your background. I think it's so intriguing. Well, I, I actually never made it to university. I was born in Hong Kong. I grew up there till I was about nine or 10 and then found myself at, at school in the UK in Oxford. And I think from about 13 or 14, I've always been tinkering around trying to build all sorts of different stuff online. And some of those things have allowed me to escape that form of education, I guess you could say. I was given a special deal at my, my high school equivalent when I was about 16 that said I was allowed to spend half my time at school and half my time working on my technology startups in London. I never went to university and I, I really dropped out when I was six and it's been nonstop ever since. I've, I've glorified must be my third or fourth. That's amazing to me. And so why the wellbeing platform? And then what was the inspiration for Glorify? It's funny. The wellbeing platform really started out as a tutoring app that I, I built at school and I got type 1 diabetes and so I did miss a lot of school and I thought, well, why am I paying so much money in the holidays to be taught by these 50-year-old PhDs when I could be taught by a third-year university student instead? And so I was set to work trying to build this Uber for education type thing that really cut the costs by hiring university students rather than slightly older, more experienced professionals. The thing that really became valuable for the tutors or any independent serviceman to manage their scheduling and payments, plus find them deal flow in a set radius. And from there, I licensed slash sold the company when I was 18, left school and built my next app. And I'd, I'd done a few since then. And, and, and the wellness platform was really the ultimate pivot from what I'd done on the tutoring, but instead for large businesses, I really was making this recommendations engine that, that basically suggested people that you should connect with inside of any organization that you worked for or any ecosystem. And so we sold that business to, to Hints of Performance really not all that long ago and did really well out of the deal and super happy with it. And was that a venture-backed company? It wasn't. I, I raised probably just shy of five million pounds or so from the most amazing investor group, really all angels. I, I've never raised into, institutionally before, glorifies the, the first time. I think with Grasp HR, I wanted people to invest in me that I felt could help distribute me as well as give me hardcore advice on what we were building. It was an enterprise software platform, so we sold into lots of big corporates around the world. Very different to high growth consumer tech like Glorify. So I have to ask with Glorify, did you see an opportunity or are you a religious person or a combination of both things? 
I think definitely a combination of both. It's funny because it's hard not to get a little bit philosophical when you're young and, and you're doing exciting things and maybe you, you, you make more money than regular people your own age. And, and you kind of like, I, at least for me, I stopped and thought, I can afford all the, the Ubers and Uber Eats in the world and I don't really spend any other money, right? So like I don't have a mortgage or dependencies and I have kids. And, and so what would I do if I could do anything? And, and that's always been working on the tech that changes the way people think and, and feel. And, and that's what I'm obsessed with and I'm addicted to is seeing people use what I've thought up. And so you know, a lot of the idea came from just making a bit of a commitment to myself. And my co-founder did the same thing, that we didn't want to build anything that we weren't deeply proud of. And I've never been more proud of anything in my life than this company, because it is so much more than just a business. I come at it from, from a lot of different angles and how we've begun doing it. One is very much on an emotional level and, and my own beliefs around faith. And, and then the other is it's the most incredible commercial opportunity and, and is going to be, I think, far bigger than people realize, which is what's so exciting. Well, it grabbed our interest because I've been seeing so much and hearing so much from VCs recently about religion, which has never, ever been the case in yeah. previous years. So I wonder how this round came together because you do have a lot of interesting players. here. You've got Michael Buble, Andreessen Horowitz, the SoftBank Latin American Fund. How did this process start and how did you assemble the syndicate? Yeah, I have to continue sort of pinching myself every day because it's everything I'd, I'd ever dreamt of. I remember being in, in my mid-early teens, just like on Quora, reading about how to raise money and which VCs firms are the best and all, all sorts of things. It's just amazing living this dream right now. I mean, Connie Chan and, and, and Brian Kim, Connie was a, a total dream to have back us and uh, would, would let her back me in anything. It came together a bit like everything that, that I've done, which is just to continually try and uh, chat to as many people as I can and put myself in a lot of awkward situations sometimes to, to get in front of the right people. And we definitely, definitely did that here from the most amazing angels who have you know, made hundreds of millions, billions of dollars in their businesses and getting to know them one way or another, and then them introducing me to all sorts of other incredible investors. And, and that's how a lot of this came together. I mean, in terms of the celebrity element, I, I have to say that that was a, a chap called Michael Kivas, who's just been a complete hero. He sent me a message and, and said, are you free? I want you to come to dinner with the Kardashians. And, and he sent me the guest list and it was probably 25 people. And I'm not sure there was a single person aside from myself and one other that wasn't <laughs> literally an A-lister. It was crazy. And I got there, walked through the door, and there was Michael and Jason Derulo. I mean, what you see on the press release is literally the tip of the iceberg. We've only released some of the names. It goes to a whole new level. And it comes down to why have we done it? Why have I tried so hard to get a lot of these people involved? And it's because we're trying to create a cultural movement you know, around faith and, and making believing in, in, in God and something greater, something that's more than just okay, but something that can really change your life. My goal with really all of these people is, is to get them to make glorify the medium that they talk about their faith through. Ed, can you talk about some of the business metrics that made these people decide to commit to the venture? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's so, so much on that front to talk about. I think the, the way that we've developed this product has been deliberate. Where it is now is it's, it's very much in a single player mode. You come into the app and you perform this daily worship and it's a framework for your faith. So that there's something that you can do and come to when you use it. And it's really trying to remove all of that to build up a habit. Like I think a lot of where the idea came from, even coming to that earlier question is I'm looking at faith as this muscle. We all are glorify and 
and, and what's the best way to build habits to generate that muscle is through technology. And in that daily worship, that's our North Star. We know if we can get people to come in and do that daily worship, that they'll, they'll stick around. And so, you know, on, on a, a retention level, the numbers have just been amazing, even after three months. Can you give us a little bit more detail about that? How many subscribers do you have? What is the retention rate like? How many people do daily worship? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, every day was averaging at least 250,000 people. And we've had now two and a half million downloads over the last year or so. I think things have really kicked off in the last six months, to be honest. And that's what's so exciting, right, is that a lot of this growth has been semi-organic. It's not from any viral K factor that exists within the app. We always thought it was too early to start introducing stuff like that before we'd proven out these core metrics. So, you know, after 30 days, we're seeing well over 40 plus percent sticking around, even after 90. I think it's Andrew Chen at Andreessen who talks about that smile curve that you want when looking at retention. And we've definitely got that. And how long are people logging into the app? It really varies. And it's so hard to tell because people are using it to fall asleep. So they'll, they'll, they'll come in and start playing a, a kid's story, or maybe it's a meditation with some music in the background, and they'll just run all night. And so that can definitely skew the averages. But the typical daily worships, no more than seven or eight minutes. And, and that's the key is coming in and building that muscle by not necessarily spending very long, but just connecting in with yourself and your faith in God. And that's pretty cool. And Ed, for people who haven't tried the app. Can you explain what the experience is like? You go in, there's meditation time, there's an audible daily worship. So their listeners are presented with verses and who's reading those verses? In terms of who, who reads, we've got an amazing group of people that do those readings. As soon as you come into the app though, you're presented with this daily worship and that's that initial framework to get you going, just starting. That's made up of a, a Bible passage, then a devotional slash commentary and then a reflection meditation that's based on that bible passage what we're, we're trying to do also there is make the bible which is the, the ultimate content library something that's potentially even more engaging by using different parts of your brain you're using one part of your brain when you're reading that bible passage then another that helps you understand it and contemplate it with that devotional and then a, a meditation that's also really touching a different part of you and then you know we're inside the app we've got our listen tab which is made up of mind and music with all sorts of sleep stories and meditations and whatnot, then with a whole new UI on how to really engage with it. And then prayers, which I think is going to be humongous for us as we go. And we'll see that in the, the first few months of next year, people coming together to pray with each other in real time, or actually just share prayers between people. It's funny, a lot of this is looking at how do we migrate all sorts of engaged communities from generic social networks into one that's context specific with deeper functionality. Yeah, that's great. You talked about introducing more viral elements later on, and I was wondering if social networking was going to be a part of it. And in addition, though, I wondered, I'd seen that Prey.com hires actors, including Kristen Bell, to voice characters from the Bible. And I wondered if that was also on the roadmap, given that you've involved celebrities and influencers and people might be more keen to log in if they think that someone that they like is speaking in their ear. Yeah, absolutely. My goal typically isn't to actually be paying these sort of celebrities to come and do a voiceover, but instead, if I've let them invest or get involved in some way, I have to know that they use the app and they believe in our why and they want to spread the word through what we've built. Because we could never, I think, to pay people hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not a million plus to get them to post, etc. I mean, it, it can make 
economical sense, but for, for us, I don't think we need to. And we've had so many incredible celebrities around the world, be it in the US or in Latin America and in Europe, huge footballers and so on, who just post about it because they adore it. And people will DM our Instagram and say, would you mind if we record the meditation for you? Or, or could I share this on our Instagram? And I, I prefer that to be the way that we run things as the seemingly is no shortage of it. And Ed, is the plan to evolve this into a full-fledged social network where engaged religious communities are sharing pictures and messages, et cetera? To a degree, when we talk about it being a social network, I'm trying to look at social very differently. We want to optimize for very different things than so many around us. I want to be building tight-knit, engaged communities that are really meaningful and purpose-led rather than things that are mass superficially engaged, which is really the, the trap in social. We don't monetize through ads. The user really isn't the product. We really try and, and bring people closer together. And, and that's not necessarily in huge groups. That's actually trying to use all the amazing micro-interactions that can exist inside of building a social network to actually get you closer to that small group of people who you really care about in this context. That's very important to also note that it's all building around this context. And given you've made this platform, I take it there's no reason why you couldn't create a product for Muslims or people of other faith? I mean, technically that's true, but it's not something we'd ever do. The Christian space is humongous. We're over 2 billion Christians in the world. And the product that you see here is really our starting point. I look at the Glorify Daily Worship app as the, the, the tree trunk of the tree, as the foundation. And there's so much that we want to build inside of the ecosystem to consolidate the entire space. And that's the goal here. I want to bring everything together. It's funny even talking about social in general, because you look at Facebook or all sorts of other huge social networks and what ties that community together or unifies them with Facebook. When you ask me that question, I don't actually have much of an answer. Whereas with what we're building in Glorify, everyone comes together over that shared belief in God. And, and those beliefs dictate really how you live, from how you date to how you donate to how you invest, consume media and, and all sorts. And our goal is to build a brand that can really house all of that in a way that makes it simple, accessible, digestible and, and more. Ed, how many people are at the company and are you guys close to break even at this point? Now we must have probably 60-ish people full time. Do you mean break even in, in terms of revenue, et cetera? Yes. Definitely not. It's really intentional. I think we've proven paid conversion, which we're really happy with. I think we're always going to be improving and there's a long way to go. It's just, I don't want to build for that as I believe that the engaged audience that we will have will probably have higher propensity to pay for all sorts of other products that we release within these ecosystems. That's transferable. Their core daily worship product will be in the Glorify app that, that you see, although far improved over the next one to two years, even in the next few months. But we can take our audience and, and direct them to other products that we've created where they'll have higher propensity to pay. Are you talking about virtual tithing, Bible study? I was just wondering what other kinds of ways you can wring a little more revenue out of your product. Yeah, an example would be in Christian dating, an amazing huge space, but anyone that really tries to build within it has to become Christian Tinder, using visuals to be the primary as to how you match people. But I don't know if that's really the right way to, to go about. Instead, if you're a user of Glorify, we'll be able to, to, to connect and match you with people based on 
shared beliefs, your engagement with the Bible and what you do and, and, and all sorts of things where we have almost like a, you know, a competitive advantage over anyone else because of the product that we've begun. But there are lots of ways to try and monetize the existing product better. It's just like, I don't want to say goodbye to any of our user base. I want this to be something that everyone can use and, and be impacted by. I was also wondering if you've talked at any point with Facebook. I'd read this past summer that they're reaching out to more faith-based organizations about doing more on the platform, including recreating churches now in the metaverse. I'm curious if they're reaching out to startups too. In some ways, you sound like their worst nightmare. I'm wondering if they want to work together or bring founders like you into the fold. I mean, I think Facebook are actually amazing in so many ways. It's hard not to have huge respect for so much of what they've done and built. I've chatted to people who have previously run and tried to create religious Christian initiatives there. And, and their point of view has been, yeah, like really cool. Everyone knows this is going to be a gigantic space and people need to build for it. But it's difficult. And I think that when you're trying to cater to so many different types of communities, especially like Facebook, it's easy to get lost in, in, in actually almost making you not feel so safe in that newsfeed. I think there's a reason why people find it difficult to post. I mean, whatever the percentage is uh, of ghost users, how many people actually post photos to Facebook now? Instead, they post it to Instagram because actually the, the vibe and feeling there feels easier and safer. And they forget that Facebook owns <laughs> Instagram. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely do. But it's, again, lack of visibility in some ways for so many on who's seeing what you're putting out. And the way we're building something like Glorify is, is we're about really, really tight-knit communities between you, maybe even, and just a, a few people, but actually trying to deepen that relationship in a meaningful way. It seems like religion is flourishing right now, especially online because of the pandemic. I'm just wondering, if not Facebook exactly, where do you see your biggest competition? Because, I mean, there are some apps already, Calm, the meditation app, that are among the most downloaded in the app store. You mentioned community, potentially dating. I'm just wondering, again, how you differentiate yourself going forward and who you see as your biggest competitors. It's really cool and, and, and funny because you can't help but look at uh, competition in this space and actually have part of you that's really happy about it. As anyone that's trying to build here, at least you hope you're doing it for the right reasons and you're, you're genuinely trying to help people. I don't think you'll build anything really amazing if that's not your primary goal. And so... If I look at Prey or Hello or Facebook or Calm, I think it's difficult for apps that have already gone in one direction to suddenly build for a community like this in the same way that it would be difficult for us to go and build the Muslim, Hindu version of Glorify or, or, or anything else. And it relates to Facebook. It comes down to trust. Your users have to feel like they can really trust your why and your beliefs. And, and that's why you've got to be careful. We never want to tie a personality to, to Glorify ever. I think that's been the downfall to so many mega churches in the US is because we're all flawed. Hello obviously just raised a big round as well. For people who are just gravitating to these apps now. Can you explain how the two differ? Well, for Hello, from what I know, they're built for Catholics. With Glorify, we're trying to be for every denomination, for every Christian, and it's highly neutral. And so whether you're, you're Catholic or any other denomination, you can use it and gain value from it. And that's a big difference. I'd seen that you're based in London, but it sounds like you actually travel quite a bit. And again, going back to the point that SoftBank Latin American Fund is a backer, I wondered if you're spending much of your time in Latin America, if you're seeing many users come from Latin America. Yeah, definitely. Brazil and this part of the world, no one's more engaged online. It, influencers posting about the app get conversion rates that are three, four plus X that of 
the US, which is just like amazing. But yeah, it's been going wild out here and it's it's just going to get crazier and crazier, you know, like with having built the app right now in that single player mode, proving out everything we've had to, it's still been relatively viral out here. So I, I think things are just going to really explode when we're, we're deliberately trying to do it. I, I want to let you go, but just any immediate plans for that $40 million that you've just raised? What are your most immediate steps on your roadmap? Yeah, just trying to continually surround you know myself with uh, the best talent ruthlessly, you know, regardless of whether or not you're Christian, and to be honest, and then on acquisition. And, and that's twofold. It'll be paid acquisition, which will begin to make a lot more sense with IIK Factor. And then and the others through product developments. So long way to go, but things are moving very, very quickly. And I think we, we've got all the right support to make things happen. Great. Well, it seems like a really exciting space and it's so nice to get to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Not at all. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and we'll see you next week.